morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I'm going to start in Revelation chapter 4 by reading a few verses, and um, we're going to move around a little bit today. Yep. Nice. It's a good day to be alive. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you. We honor you. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We honor and celebrate who you are, God, in this place. And as we come before you, we humble our hearts before you and ask, God, that you would just make yourself at home in this place and make yourself, God, at home in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls. Glorify, God, and expand yourself in us and allow us, God, to know you and to experience you. Allow us, God, to draw closer to you. Allow us, God, to be changed by you and to be molded by you and to be affected by you, God. We love and honor you. We love and honor you, Jesus. We love and honor you, Jesus. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, God, for how good you are. Thank you, Lord, for what a great life you've given to us. It's a great opportunity that we have to know you and to love you. And so grateful for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Hope you're all doing good. I am. It's like the first week of fall. Yep. We never got any of that hurricane. Unless it's still coming our way. I don't know. I haven't been tracking it. But I was hoping to get just a little bit, you know. Hurricanes are like those. So like personally, I like rain. I know that some people do not think that it messes up their day. But not me. I like rain. Especially when I'm indoors. That's not I like rain. I'm just kidding. I actually like rain when I'm outdoors too. And so whenever there's a storm... I know I shouldn't do this, but I, I always hope that it comes our way. Because, you know, we don't get as many storms as Florida. And there's something awesome about a, a great storm, you know. And so I'm, like, always hoping that it comes our way. And, um, and, and this one didn't come our way, and so I was, I was a little bit disappointed. Um, but the insurance companies are happy, so that's okay. Revelation chapter 4, are you ready? After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne stood in heaven, and with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne there was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne there were twenty-four thrones. Seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the thrones came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass, like crystal. And around the throne and on each side of the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature, like a lion. The second living creature, like an ox. The third living creature, the face of a man. And the fourth living creature, like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, 
our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. There's something that is different between God and men. Well, there's many things that are different between God and men. But one of the more interesting things that is different between God and men is that when you have people, typically, or when you have things that are created by people, uh, typically, the closer you are to something, the less uh, enamored you are by it. And uh, familiarity does not typically breed honor. It typically breeds um, uh, disillusionment. Do you know how people say, like, never meet your heroes? Because you're just going to be disappointed by them. Um, and that's, that's true not just of people, like, you know, in the flesh, but that's also true of just about, you know, all things that, that humans make. No, I mean, not all. There are transcendent masters. Um, but, uh, but most things, you know, that... that that, that we make, most things that, that we construct, you know. You ever um, really, really wanted something because you thought that it was super awesome and then, you know, you saved up for it and then you got it and the moment you got it, you're like, hmm, this is okay. You know, like when you were five and you really wanted that toy or you, when you were 12 and you really wanted those shoes. When I was six, I really wanted, um, do you remember those shoes that like whenever you walked, they would, gl- uh, they, like the light would turn on? Do you remember those? And so I thought they were the coolest things. And my parents um, couldn't really afford them, but one day we found some at Payless Shoes. Do you remember Payless Shoes? Yeah, they're no longer around. We found a pair that were like open box for sale pre-worn at Payless Shoes that were like half off or 75% off, something like that. And so my dad got me a pair for like eight bucks. I don't remember how much it was. Maybe it was 12 bucks, maybe 15. Anyways, so I was like, oh, these are the best shoes ever. And so I was so happy I took them to school. And um, unfortunately, they were not great shoes because they made your feet stink, which, you know, your feet probably don't stink, but mine can they don't always, but they can. And, uh, but whenever I wore these shoes, they always stunk. And it got so bad that it was just like, you know, it's like when your feet stink, but you really can't tell unless you're like right next to it. And then there's like, when it gets really bad, it's just like, wow, I'm standing up and my feet are like five feet away, but I can still smell them. And that's like level two bad. Level three bad is when, you know, people that are in the same room with you are like, what is going on in here? And then you're like, Excuse me. <laughs> uh, and so they were level three bad. Um, and, um, and then my parents would wash them and they would, they, would, uh, they, they, they would not get any better. And then my dad finally brought them back to Payless Shoes. I remember this so clearly. He brought them back to Payless Shoes because he was like, um, th- these, these shoes really are not great quality. And so they gave him another pair and I was like, oh, it was a problem with that pair. It wasn't a problem with that pair. It was a problem with the design. And so I got the second pair and my feet still stunk. And eventually I just gave up on them. And I was like, eh, this is not as good as I thought it would be. Not as cool. Um, you know, I had the lights, but um, the uh, the price to pay was too great. You know, you can't. There's no there's no point having lights if none of your friends want to stand next to you to admire your lights. You know what I mean? And um, and that that's kind of the nature. That's kind of the nature of most things that 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 are uh, uh, that are created by men. Um, but there's something very different about God. The closer you are to God, the more you appreciate God. It's the creatures in heaven that are closest to Him that most appreciate Him. It's the creatures in heaven that are closest to him, the ones that have been with him the longest, that have the greatest admiration or are most moved by him. It's the elders that are seated around the throne that are bowing down before him 24 hours a day, crying, holy, 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 and casting their crowns upon him. It, does that like, make any sense? It's very different. Have, you've, you've noticed this, right? The longer you walk with God, the more you appreciate him. You don't appreciate him less. It's not like, oh, well, you know, well, I mean, if you have a very dysfunctional religious faith, then sure, like, you know, you get a little bit bored of the church activities. But in your relationship with God, I'm not talking about your relationship 
with Christian religion or with church activities, which can get boring. Um, but in your relationship with God, you don't like ever be like, well, you know, I really, I know everything, been there, done that, you know, this is, this is kind of, the closer you get to him, the more you appreciate him. The closer, the more you experience him, the more you realize like just how profoundly, incredibly, awesomely, wonderfully this, this whole thing is, right? Does that sort of make any sense? That leads me to a certain um, conclusion, uh, which um, hopefully will be convicting. It is for me. Um, one of the things that, uh, one of the telltale signs that you've really experienced God, because sometimes people are like, well, how do I know that I've experienced God? You know, because you sit down and you pray and you read your Bible and, you know, we do like church today. How do you know if you really experienced God? One of the things that, um, that, that I can, uh, that for me, I t- is that I'm moved by him. Like, not like, you know, I did my prayer time today, hallelujah, let's go. But like, I, you know, like you, like something happens or you wait long enough or you read the Bible and such, like, like you're moved by it, you know? And, and some people, when, you, when you're moved, you cry. Some people, when you, you're moved, you laugh. Some people, when you're moved, you eat. Like, you know, like, like you're moved. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Joke. Not kind of, okay, slight joke. Um, you're, you know, you're moved. You're moved by it. You're moved by it. And, um, and one of my convictions, one of my convictions is that anybody that, that is around us that doesn't know God, that is not moved by uh, the experience of God through us, um, it's not their fault. It's that we have not demonstrated God sufficiently to them. And uh, that, to me, like, that is like, that's, uh, yeah, can we say goal? I mean, goal sounds like so uh, you know, rigid, um, you know. But but it's it's a it's a goal of mine that that um, that everybody that comes to like one of our services and you're like, wow, you really fail at this. <laughs> but like anybody that comes to one of our services, anybody that comes to a retreat or a program, anybody that comes to um, one of our conferences, that they would not leave impressed, but they would leave moved. Um, because that's a sign that they really, for me, that's a sign that they've experienced God. Not that they've experienced something that men created, but that they've experienced God. You know? I don't want anyone to, 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 to come to something and then say, well, that was a nice message, or that was a nice service, or that was, you know, the, the worship was really nice, the songs were great. Wow, you're singers, they can really sing. I, that's not, that's not at all, like, that's just not important. That's not, like, sure, that, that's nice, but that's not important. What's, what would what's really like the indication of success is that somebody has experienced God in a way that is that they've been moved by it. These these elders that are constantly casting their crowns, these elders, these these creatures that that are singing, they're crying out, holy, 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 that never get tired of it, that never get bored of it, that never feel like that they've done enough or they've given enough or they've worshipped enough or they've sacrificed enough or they've spent enough time and that they should really move on and do something else. Like there's something about that reality of God that we need to really um, be motivated to capture that essence of God in the way that we do life. Do you, do you like hello? In the way that we do life. Um, in Romans chapter two, there's this verse. I'm just gonna sort of jump around here a little bit. We're not gonna part too long in any particular um, passage. I don't think. But in Romans chapter two, Paul's um, talking about uh, Paul's talking about about this, and um, not not this exact thing, but he but he says this thing that's really lovely in verse four. He says, um, "Oh, says this suppose verse. No, let's do, just do verse four. Do or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance?" Paul's uh, in the middle of a longer argument about God's righteous judgment. If you're familiar with Romans 2, you know kind of what's going on here. But in the middle of, of a discussion about God's judgment, Paul like, 
kind of sneaks in this this little thing, right? And he says, um, essentially, says like, why why do you think that like just because God is good to you, that God is um, uh, you know kind to you, that it means that you're not going to be judged? Um, and and he's talking, about, but 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 the the logic that he's using is wonderful because there's this phrase here that is kind of this wonderful phrase, right? That we know, do you not know that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Like, don't you know? that the reason that God is kind to you is because it's, it's, it's not, like yes, he's kind because he's just intrinsically kind, like yes, but don't you know that like your experience of God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, right? That's what Paul's saying, right? We're all, you're familiar with this, you've heard this before. Okay, here's my question. <clears throat> How many of you have ever been so kind to someone that they said, I'm sorry? Do you understand the question? Like how many of you have like have have you ever been so kind to someone that they said, you know, I haven't treated you right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> how kind do you need to be to move someone to repentance? Heck, it's hard to be kind enough to get people to say thank you. <laughs> do you like do you know? Like my my goal is to be kind enough to get people to say thank you. Like that would be like the next step. In, in, in my spiritual growth is to be kind enough to get people to say thank you. All right. Now, 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 how kind do you need to be? How far beyond thank you do you need to go to be so kind, so rich in kindness, so wealthy in kindness, so generous, so extravagant in kindness, so all-encompassing in kindness that people don't say thank you, they say I'm sorry. Like, do, does that make any sense? Like, uh, does that not make any sense? Like, does that make any sense? Does that make any sense? Okay, okay. There is evidently, evidently, there is a kindness out there in God that is so kind that people are moved to say, "I'm sorry," <laughs> because thank you just doesn't do. Now. Knowing that that exists, knowing that that is a God, it's your and my responsibility to be that person. Why is it so quiet in here? It's like, so quiet, so quiet. It's your and my responsibility to go and be that person. A person who's able to act a person who's able to serve, a person who's able to minister, a person who's able to relate to others in such a way that thank you does not begin to, they don't feel satisfied in saying thank you because thank you seems so cheap to them. It's too cheap. It doesn't do it justice. They have to say, do something more. And the more is to say, I'm sorry. The more is a humbling of the heart that leads to repentance. What? I know. I know. Like, is that crazy? That's crazy. That's God. And it's not just God, though. It's the responsibility that you and I have to live up to that. We cannot be content with just being righteous and good by human standards. We can't be content by other people saying, well, you're a nice person, or you're a sweet person, or wasn't that kind? Like, like, that's not enough. You have to 
push yourself to be as he is. I, is that, hopefully you agree with that. Like, hopefully you're not content to just compare yourself to other people and be like, well, I'm a little bit nicer than this guy. There's, there's something in God, there's something in God that actually, there's something in God that is so much beyond that, that, ah. Oh. There's a difference between being convinced and being moved. A lot of our evangelism strategies are an attempt to make people convinced. But there's something else, actually. There's, there's something that is different from being convinced. That it, it, see, God does not set out to convince people. God acts in a way that moves them. You remember, of course, the story that, that we talk about often and that I love so much when uh, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus calls Simon Peter out to drop the net and, um, and, and the fish come in. And you know that story very well. And, and when, when Peter sees the fish, he gets down and he says, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinner. Uh, his response tells you that he, it wasn't that he was convinced. Do you understand? It wasn't that he was like, oh yeah, you know, that does fulfill the prophetic sign that Isaiah told us about. Like it, it, wasn't, it wasn't that he was convinced, it was that he was moved. And our aim, I think, often is revolves around, you know, being convincing, uh, but being convincing is one step below being moving. And, um, and it, it, it has to be your desire to, to, be, to be moving. There was somebody um, that recently that, that um, was, uh, well, he's a very smart guy, and he was, he was, saying, he was talking about how he assesses um, human intelligence. Like, how do you know that somebody else is smart? And he says, it's not about whether you can solve a math problem, um, which is, you know, or something of, that, something of that nature, which is the way that, you know, a lot of people think about smartness. He says, um, the three signs of intelligence, like to me, he said, are um, humor, um, musical ability, and I forgot the third one. <laughs> um, but it was, something, it was something similar related. It was something, it was, it was something artistic. And, uh, and it, was, it, was very it, was, it was very interesting because all the things that he's talking about, and by the way, I, I fundamentally agree. Like being funny is much, requires much more intelligence. Like great comedians, it's very difficult actually because the things that, that make people laugh, like there's not a really a formula or a set rule of how to make people laugh. Um, it's very difficult to teach comedy. It takes years to, ref uh, to refine it. There are very few people that are truly funny. Uh, most of the people that are funny um, uh, today are um, inappropriate. Like, they're not actually funny. They're funny because they're inappropriate. Or they're funny because they're mocking. They're funny because they're, um, uh, uh, you know, because they're mean. Um, which is not funny. Like, that, that's just mean. But there are some people that are truly funny. Like, do you know? And, and there's no rule or rhyme. Like, stand-up comedy is essentially impossible to teach. There's not, there's not really a way to teach it. It requires, like, great intellect. But here's one thing that, you, um, that you've probably realized. When something is funny to you, it doesn't, like, uh, why do you laugh? Do, do you know what I mean? Like, like, why, when you hear a joke or you hear something that's funny, do you laugh? Well, 
it's not because you thought about it and then you're like, you know, I guess I'll go ahead and laugh. I mean, that is when you feel bad for the comedian and you're like, you know, it's, it's the, the pity, you know, the pity chuckle. Like, you know what I mean? Which sometimes does happen. I, I hear comedic routines and you're like, every, the audience is like, <laughs> like, it's not, you know, it's not, it's, it's also like the pity clap, you know, about the pity clap. It's like when someone's like, and then, you know, the pity clap. Um, but when something is truly funny, it's not the sitcom, like, you know, cue the laughter track. It's like, it's, it's something that, it's an involuntary response, like, right? You have an involuntary response that you, you are laughing because, because you've been moved to laugh, right? Right? Okay. That. There's, there, is a, there is something where, um, in God, where you are moved to repentance, Think about that. It, as involuntary as it is for you to laugh when you hear a joke that is funny, as involuntary as it is, is it involuntary? It's involuntary. You don't think about it, right? It, it's something that just happens. Like, could you force yourself to stop? Only sometimes. Usually, you know, not really. Like, because, you know, sometimes, like, you're on an airplane, you're, like, in a study hall, and, you know, you're not supposed to laugh, and then you just, and everybody looks at you, you're like, I can't make this thing stop. I can't make this thing stop. Okay, as involuntary as that is, as unforced as that is, right, because it's something that is innate to you, you've been moved to laugh, there is really, really honestly, there's something of that caliber of kindness, of goodness, of the glory of God that moves people to repentance, that moves them into conviction. And we spend all of our time trying to convince people, like, you know you're not supposed to be dating that person, you know, haven't you read your Bible? one of the reasons we are not particularly moving is because we spend all of our time trying to be convincing. And I'm not telling you not to be convincing. I'm just encouraging you to try to be moving. When you are a Christian and you are doing Christian activities or planning Christian things, what is it that actually changes people's lives? Very rarely, like, like if you're planning like a conference or uh, like an outreach event or something like that, um, very rarely is it the sermon that's preached. I've told you guys before, one of the, um, one of the great services that my parents did in raising me was... Um, my dad, when we were in Houston, found this great church called Bread of Life Church. The pastor's now actually passed away. He was a great friend of Mario Murillo's, and, and, and he actually passed away. But he was, he was a great man, and he um, just heard the Lord and really had vision for how to, how to reach our city. And, um, and, and he would just spend extraordinary like, church resources to do outreach in our city. Uh, Houston, as you may know, is a city with a lot of immigrants, especially a lot of immigrants crossing the border. Um, from the south, and so there's entire neighborhoods, just like there are in New York, but it's even more prevalent in Houston. There's entire neighborhoods filled with uh, uh, with with immigrants, like that's that's all there is, and and those neighborhoods tend to be um, just like they are here, high crime, uh, low quality of education, um, the housing is is poor, They're just like you know, it's just it just it just is what it is, and and so our pastor said, um, he essentially said, well, you know, no no ch- nobody's willing to go into these places, so we will. And so he dreamed up this, this extraordinary outreach program, a Saturday morning. Uh, at, well, this is a church of like 3,000 people. And, like, and this pastor was really, 
you know, people really respected him. And so when he like told people, I mean, you know, people would sign up and he would get, I don't know, 150, 100, 150 men and out there, uh, lawnmowers and, 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 and paintbrushes and, and, and all this stuff. And the church would set up, um, would go and they would uh, mow the lawns like on these um, apartment complexes and they would um, uh, landscape the areas. They would paint the fences. They would res repair um, the, uh, the complex. Um, uh, they would set up a barbecue um, uh, feast uh, for everybody in the community that wanted to come. And not, not like hot dogs and burgers, like you understand, like, like good food. Um, like good food. And, um, and then they would set up a carnival for the kids. And um, there'd be like clowns and the juggling and like acts and like all, you know, all, just all these different things and those bouncy houses and face painting and blue, like just all this stuff, right? And totally free, completely free. And um, obviously, <laughs> um, and, and, and then um, at the end of it, um, uh, uh, I, I was on the, the children's ministry team uh, they would let the kids go minister to the kids and they also minister to the adults. And so there were two different services and, um, and there would be a, a message of salvation preached to um, the adults in Spanish, I believe. And then for the kids, there'd be fun, but at the end of it, there'd be a time where um, those of us who were kids would be able to pray for the other kids. And, um, and uh, this was incredibly effective. And after these things would happen in this, in this area, the crime rate would go down. And the Houston Police Department actually noticed this. Um, this happening in these different neighborhoods where our church was, was going. And um, as a result, um, the police department decided they were going to support our efforts because, heck, let's work for them, like, you know, after we're done. And, um, and so they would actually then, um, after doing this for a while, they began to coordinate with the church. And um, before the church would go in, the police would actually shut down roads and, like, nobody asked them to do it. They would just do it. And they would shut down roads and they would uh, close off areas and close off traffic and create parking and, like, police cars, like, all this stuff. Um, not because we asked them to, not because we paid them to, but because they saw the fruit of what was happening. Crime was going down in the area. People were happier. Pe there were fewer complaints. There were, the police were visiting the area less. Like, they, they saw the, um, the fruit of it. And every time we did this, like, on average, dozens if not hundreds of people would give their lives to Jesus as this was happening. Why is this effective? Um, it, it, it's extravagant. It's, it's over the top. It costs a lot of money. It was a lot of manpower for the church. Why is this effective? It's because you cannot just, um, you, you cannot just meet people in a place where they feel like there's um, a kindness that causes them to say, do you understand? There's a kindness that causes people to say thank you. And then there's a kindness that causes people to say, God, I'm sorry. And, and as, a, as a Christian, it's incumbent upon us to reach past thank you into the I'm sorry. And trying to move people, trying to serve people, trying to love people, trying to be generous enough, kind enough, good enough, serving enough, gracious enough to move people to say I'm sorry is a lot more work and effort and a lot more expensive than, 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 than thank you. But, but it, it's a place that actually exists that we can tap into. There's a place where so much has been done that you know, people actually break down and cry. Like, you know, like, I mean, there's just, they, they become moved by kindness. And that is a sign that you've done not the work of a good man, but that you've done the work of God is when people become moved. And when people become moved, then become, they become moldable. There are a lot of things that you cannot manipulate until they get soft. Clay, wax, Play-Doh, like, you know, there are a lot of things that cannot be manipulated until you make it soft. And one of those things is a human heart. Right? If you try to change the shape of a candle without melting it, you just break it. 
And that's also the way it is with human hearts, very often. So you have to soften it. And how do you soften it? They have to become moved. What are people moved by? No, they're moved by kindness, of course, because the Bible says so. But there's other things. They're moved by beauty. There are two times in my life where I've tasted something so delicious it was moving. No joke. (laughs) No joke. I think it was in 2009. I visited New York City. (laughs) No, it's a joke. No, no, No joke. I think it was 2009. I visited New York City. And back then, 11 Madison Park was a new restaurant. I don't know if you know what it is. It's very expensive, blah, blah, Back then, it was a new restaurant. And I didn't really think much of it. It came for lunch service, couldn't afford dinner. It came for lunch with a couple of my friends. I was a college student. This is all of my money. But I was like, ah, oh, it's And I mean, I've eaten at like decent restaurant. I remember taking, I was just, I just about sat there and cried. I don't know how to describe it to you. I just about sat there and cried. I was like, Nobody is doing anything like this in this country. Like, I, you didn't know food could be so good. You didn't know flavors like this existed. I don't know how they did it, you know. It's like, you know, whatever, braised carrot or something like that. Like, I have no idea how they did it. But it was just food so good that it made you cry. Um, I, it's happened twice in my life, not in the last 10 years. The other one was also like, you know, 12, 12 years ago. Um, it's been a long time. There's not very much food that actually moves you. Uh, that doesn't happen very often. But a few time, p- times in my life, I've, I've, uh, a couple times in my life that I can remember right now, I've been actually moved. I remember one of the first times that Heidi and I ate, we went to a nice restaurant, and, um, well, you know, she lives in Mozambique, but, like, she took the first bite and was like, what is this? Like, the, the chef, like, brought out a soup. I didn't order. I didn't even know what it was. It was just, like, um, it's one of those tasting things. And they brought this soup. She was like, what is this? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. But, like, there's, there's, there's food that actually moves you. There's art. There's art that moves you. I remember the first time I went to the Louvre, uh, this is also like over 10 years ago. And um, back then, I didn't understand art very well. I still don't understand art that well. I love art, but I'm, I'm, I don't have very much time to really, really get into it. And, um, and so I, I said, okay, I'm going to figure out what the fuss is. You know what I mean? It's like, I want to figure out why like 12 million people a year, or I think it's more than that, like come to this museum. I want to know why there's a, there's a crowd in front of the Mona Lisa. I actually don't think most of the people in that crowd appreciate the Mona Lisa. I think a lot of them are there for the selfie. Um, at least that's my experience. But so, anyway, so I listened, so I got the, um, I paid for, you know, this is back when I would never pay for anything like this because I'm Asian. I never paid for but I paid like eight euros for the uh, audio, for the audio tour. And, uh, and so I saw the, all the highlights, and, and I remember um, one of the, the stat, it's, um, uh, there's statues, there's, there's art, there's all sorts of things. And I, I just, I was like, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to listen to all the commentary, I'm going to listen to all the descriptions until I moved, until I understand what is so great about this hunk of rock. And it took time, because when I first looked at it, I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a rock with a woman, like, you know, it's just like a rock. But as you stand there and people begin to describe to you like why this is great and why this is historic and why, you know, the movement of, you know, whatever, the curves in her dress and the way the wind is blowing through her hair and it's, you know, the way that the posture, how hard it is in the center of gravity and how the, like, you know, then you're like, whoa, like this is incredible. And the longer I spent there, the more moved I was by what it was that I was seeing. I was moved by one thing. I moved to the next thing. I'd be like, I want to know what moves, like what, what about this is moving? Like what about this is moving? And after actually you spend time, sometimes it takes time, you know, just like, uh, just like uh, 
uh, study, like getting to know God. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes the immediate reaction is not, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't, sometimes it takes time for you to understand well, why something is beautiful, why something is extraordinary, why it's glorious, you know? Again, just like God, just like God. And, um, but then, you know, you f uh, find these paintings and I'd be like, wow, this is, this is, this is incredible. And so years later, I took, I, don't, I won't tell you who, so, some people that were very close to me to, um, uh, to, to some of these art museums that I really like. And they're like, where are the Da Vinci's? And so, you know, we went and saw the Da Vinci's and they were like, click, 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 let's move on. And I'm like, hello? Why don't we just sit here and admire it for a while? Like, nah, you know, there's a lot more to see. I'm like, well, <sighs> Taurus, <laughs> you know? Uh, um, Sometimes we have that kind of attitude about God and about the things that, that are part of our lives. Um, it, it, it's really important. This, this message is, like two, honestly, two, two different things. For you as a Christian, you need to be moved by God. Like, I'm going to go ahead and say every day of your life. But, like, I don't want to make that, like, a rule, you know? Because could you scrape by for a day without being moved? Possibly. Like, I don't think you're going to backslide if, if you've gone, you know, 24 hours without, you know, without. But, but, but really and truly... I think you should make it your goal. Uh, again, goal sounds really rigid. That's not the right word. I just don't have a better word right now. But I think you should make it your goal that every time that you uh, come before the Lord, encounter him, experience him, that you are moved by him. I try not to stop reading my Bible until there's something in there that moves me. I try not to move on from a story uh, or a parable or a teaching or a passage of scripture until it, I'm moved by it. Um, there are people that ask, well, you know, how do you study the word? Do you, go to, do, you, do you read commentaries? No, because commentaries don't move me. Have you ever read any, anything in a commentary where you're like, this is so beautiful? <laughs> like, have you ever, no, you know? But, but the words of Jesus do. And the Psalms sometimes rarely, I mean, I'm not that much of a Psalm person, but you know, the, Psalm, and the, the, but the Proverbs really do. I mean, sometimes you read a proverb, and you're like, yes, that is so true. The wicked do drop like flies. Like, you know, like, <laughs> no, you, but you're supposed to, you're supposed to. That's, that's, that's the way to read the Bible if you really want to get something out of it. it, it not, don't read it for the content. Don't read it for the knowledge. Don't read it because you needed to read a chapter today. Read, even if it's just a verse, um, to, to, there's something until you find your heart being involuntarily like, you, you know, maybe you cry, maybe you dance, maybe you shout, maybe you jump, maybe you run around, maybe you, you know, walk outside and get a coffee because you can't sit still anymore. But there's something inside of you that is, has become moved by the by that thing that you've just encountered, and that is an encounter with God. That's an encounter with God. And the same, you know, in your prayer time, in your, I mean, I would say, you know, fast until you're moved by hunger, but that's pretty easy, you know. <laughs> Three hours into it, I'm like, God, I moved. <laughs> um, back to eating. Um, I'm just kidding. For me, it usually takes at least a good three days to really feel the fast, um, you know. Uh, recently, it's it's taken only two days because I'm less less practiced at this point. We haven't fasted in a while, but 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 that's it's something that is a key part of God's experience with man. Just about every single time uh, that that uh, a man in the Bible sees God or draws close to God, um, they fall. You know. Like every time there's a revelation of God, it's like there's something that happens to the man. It it's very uncommon. I like that you know God draws close to a man, and the man's just like, "Hey God," like the way you know, or like, "Oh, like like you know, I'm done with the encounter. Like I'm done with the movie. You know, like oh, the movie was good. You know, time to move on with life. Like that doesn't really ever happen. 
you remember in Daniel, when Daniel talks about, you know, the angel, not God himself, but just an angel of the Lord, um, standing on the, I think it was the Tiger server, and, um, and uh, he's speaking to Daniel, and, and, and Daniel says that all of the energy in him was drained, and he fell to the floor, and he said all of his companions, all the people that were there with him, the servants, uh, he had servants because, um, because he was high up in the empire, um, and the servants, the people that were with him, they all fell down as dead when the angel was there. And he himself, the, the energy left his body and he fell to the ground and the angel touched him and he strengthened him and, and, and he had him stand. Do you remember the Garden of Gethsemane um, when, when, they asked, um, uh, when they asked for Jesus and Jesus said, I am he, and every, the Bible says that all of them fell to the ground when he said, I am he. I'm the one that you were looking for. Like every single one of them fell down to the ground. I mean, I love, I, I love that verse in particular because it proves definitively that nobody arrested you nobody captured him nobody trapped him you know nobody there's no scheme of the enemy that was like haha i got you now jesus handed himself over jesus said here i am and all the people were like bam <laughs> like you know that tells you that he gave himself over that it wasn't that you know that they like outsmarted him or found him or anything like that and there's something in that there's something of that sort that is supposed to be real in our lives. An encounter with God is supposed to, is supposed to involve, just like laughing is involuntary when you hear something funny, it's supposed to involuntarily move your heart in some way, in some direction in God. In some direction in God. And my um, uh, encouragement to you is to not allow your experience with God to be anything less than moving. Do not allow your relationship with God to be described as persuasive or convincing, or reasonable. Don't do it. Don't let a single day go by where you're like, you know, that Bible study was nice. That made sense. I learned something. I learned something from that. No. You got to sit there until like your heart responds. Your, your, your soul responds. There's something in you that is like, ah! I often read, um, uh, with the, one of the best advice I've ever gotten about, um, about uh, spending time with God is um, do it in a comfortable position. I know the saints of old used to get on their knees, and, uh, but kneeling for me is very uncomfortable. Um, I need to train myself better. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a too first world, um, uh, you know, in this regard. But like kneeling is, is for me very uncomfortable, so let's get, uh, get comfortable. But I realize when you're comfortable and you're like reading the Bible or something like that and, and something begins to stir in your heart, like I always need to get up, you know, like I always need to walk around or like raise my hands or like just, you know, like, like something to, to express that there's something going on inside. And um, sometimes it happens in the first, honestly, two minutes. Um, sometimes it doesn't happen for the first like 30 or 60 or like however, however long it takes. You know, sometimes it's the first song in a worship set. Like when you know, Emily got up to sing this morning, I was like, that's it. <laughs> like, we're in. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And then there's sometimes it's like, you know, it's the last song or it doesn't happen. You're like, keep it rolling, y'all. Like, um, actually, that's not the, I think this is finished. I'm not sure. Is this keep it rolling? Uh, you know what? It doesn't matter. Roll the, like, keep rolling, uh, because uh, uh, sometimes it's, it's, on, it's immediate, and sometimes it takes a long time. But what's, what's, what we are responsible for, I think, is to, uh, it, it, is to hold ourselves accountable to have that type of an experience with God. If it doesn't move you, I, I'm going to go ahead and say, if it doesn't move you, it's probably not God. It's probably some image of God. It's probably some reduction of God. Because I don't know that there's been any man that's ever drawn close to him that wasn't moved by him. Even Judas was moved by him. 
When he betrayed him, Judas was moved by what he had done. You remember? I don't know that it's possible to draw close to him without being moved by him. Saul hated God, hated Jesus. I mean, really thought that he was like right. And you remember when he encounters God, the Bible says he fell off his horse. Like, it was, he, he was not like, oh, so you're Jesus, huh? Hmm? Like, it was, no, he, he fell off his horse. He said, who are you, Lord? Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like, show me how you fulfilled these verses <laughs> that I have learned all my life. You know, aren't you truly the fulfillment of Isaiah 43? What about 53? Like, he doesn't, he doesn't that, that, that's not at all like what happened to him. Who are you, Lord? Like, it, it's, it's not, it, 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 that, like that, that is the experience of God. And it's not something for you to experience once in your life. It's something for you to experience every day, or I mean, or just about as every day as you can get. Hello? Don't ever satisfy yourself with a revelation. Like, don't ever be like, I learned something today. Don't ever satisfy yourself with insight or understanding or, or knowledge, you know? No. You, you got to get to the place where the heart is bouncing up and down involuntarily because something has happened in your experience with him. I think I, uh, one of the questions that, that I've been looking for an answer for a long time. So um, a lot of you probably uh, went to a school that offered biblical studies classes in undergrad, like where you, know, you could study Old Testament history or you could study um, uh, you know, the letters of Paul or something like that. And you probably were so excited to study the Bible from you know, some of the greatest academics in the world. And then you got to the class and you're like, well, this is dead. <laughs> like, you know, this is a graveyard in here. Um, why is that? It's because there is actually a way to encounter religion without being moved by God. And that does not lead you from life to life. That leads you from death to death. It's that, that the movement of the heart, the movement of the soul that is drawn to him, the, the thing that keeps you bound before him, the thing that keeps you continuing to, to cast your crowns, the thing that, that, that the, the, the praises that rise up involuntarily in your heart over and over, that's the thing that keeps you alive in God. That's the thing that keeps you close. That's the thing that keeps you sane and keeps you on the right road. That's the thing that keeps you from being apathetic or backsliding or falling into apathy or denying the faith or running away or being so hurt and so persecuted that you decide that Jesus is not for you anymore. That's the thing that keeps you close. You know, it's, it's not, it's not that, oh, you know, well, this is a reasonable sacrifice for me to make because God is worthy. Not that thought pattern. Should you have the thought pattern? Of course. But it's not that thought pattern. It's that, that there's something inside of you that is happening to you day by day as you're drawing near to him. There you're like, you know, I will bow again, not because, but just I am moved to bow again. I mean, it's not that like, I, God, you know, you're, you're the king. If I don't bow, I die. No, it's that I moved to bow again. I moved to take off my crown and throw it at your feet again. I moved to render my life again. I moved to offer you my service forever and ever again. I moved to, to give you my loyalty, to give you my affection, to, to, to hold on you know, to the promises you've given to I moved to do it. it it's, you know, it's not the, <laughs> you know, that's supposed to be funny. It's not really, but it's supposed to be. It, it's, it's something that, is, that comes from like further down inside. There's a real danger to faking um, being moved. Just like there's a real danger to faking laughing. You forget what's actually funny. You forget what funny is. And um, it's, this, it's the same thing like with, it's the same thing like with, um, with Christians. Like it is a real danger to, 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 to faking 
um, being moved because eventually you forget what it was like when you were. And, 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 and that's not good for us. Like, we can't afford to do that. We have to be honest with ourselves. Today, I did not encounter God. To, like, I, tomorrow, like, you know, I, I need to be real. God, you gotta touch me. Like, you gotta touch me, you gotta touch me. I can't change the topic. I can't, I can't pretend. You, like, you really gotta touch me. What happens, I think, to people when um, this doesn't happen to them is that it, the topic begins to change. And their fulfillment with God begins to take the shape of, well, you know, there are these prophecies that are going to be fulfilled. And, you know, well, God's going to bless me. And, well, I'm going to get married. And, well, like all these different things. And, uh, and, and that's a pretty slippery slope for the Christian. We can't, we can't afford to base the relationship that we have with God on how well our life is going. You have to demand it out of yourself. Do you know? And once you get to that place, see, you can't serve anybody else food that's supposed to move them if you've never been moved by it yourself. The reason that I love food so much and, the, and the, the, that I love to feed other people, certain other people, the reason that I love to feed people is because I know what it, well, I, know, I mean, I know what it's done for me and I believe in its power, and I also believe in art, and I believe in music, and I, I believe in these things as, 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 as means of, of uh, bring out the reality of who God is, because they've done that for me. I, I kid you not, I've eaten a steak that made me go, oh, Jesus, you must be real. I mean, no joke, no joke, no joke. I mean, only a small piece, I mean, you know, only a small, but like, but I was just like, wow, this is not, I mean, this is like, wow, like, wow, like, wow, like, wow. I mean, I've looked at paintings that made you go like, like, wow. Like, like, wow. There's a Vermeer that hangs in Amsterdam, the, the, uh, the woman with the milk jug. And the, the, there's a drop of water that hangs off the corner of the milk jug that looks like it's, it's just paint on a piece of paper, but it looks like it's glowing. It's just paint, there's no light behind it, but it looks like it's glowing because of the way it's, there's just, it's just one drop of milk. Like that, well, the entire, the entire stream of milk looks like it's flowing, which is like, I don't know how you did that. There's, there's, there's a drop there that looks like it's just, it just, it looks like it's glistening. And, and at first you look at it and he's like, ah, oh, it's a peasant pouring milk. Like, what's the big deal? But if you study it, you're like, oh my sweet Lord. And just like the way that some people read the Bible, it's like, oh, this is a story. Jesus healed somebody. So what? <laughs> it's like, you miss, you, you've really, you've really missed it. Do you know? You've really missed it. And, but as a believer, only by spending that time uh, only by being moved by God in this way over and over and over and over again can we offer this experience to others. And it's just something that I'm obsessed by. You know, hospitality, service, um, understanding, insight, music, food, architecture that like that that brings people into an involuntary conviction of sin and we can't settle until we're able to bring people into that experience 
the goal of just about everything we do is to, to, to bring people into this. What the Queen of Sheba experienced when she went into Solomon's court, how she sat down and gasped at the beauty that she saw, that is supposed to exist in the church of God today. That, the creation of that experience is supposed to exist in the church of God today. We there? Not by a long shot, but you cannot, like, you can't, you cannot just like, like, can't be done, or, you know, let's, let's be, and in order to do this, you have to be obsessed. Like, you have to be obsessed. It can't be like, well, God, you got my 10%, you know? No, it, you have to be obsessed. You have to think about it, wake up thinking about it, go to bed thinking about it, meditate in the middle of the day about it. it you got to be one of those people that, you know, how do I make this French fry crispier? Like, I mean, it's just, you think, you experiment, you try, you spend money, you buy new machines, you throw those machines away. You know, you buy new potatoes, you throw those potatoes away. Like, you, you know, it, it's just... Um, there was a chef that was talking about how he tried, I think it was 38 different varieties of potatoes um, before he chose one to make the french fries with in his restaurant. That level of devotion is what the normal corner bistro requires in order to survive in this city as a restaurant. How much more are the stakes, how much more is the responsibility for you and I who are trying to sell eternity who are trying to sell a lifetime of commitment and devotion to God, to the people out there. You know? I, uh, I, I, um, I, I don't know what really to say, really, to, to encourage people to, to press into these things. I am not sure how uh, to encourage you to devote your life to this. I'm not sure how to encourage you to um, care about these things more than uh, furnishing your house, <laughs> you know, or uh, getting a new pair of shoes or figuring out where to go on vacation for Christmas break. But, um, but I think it's the mandate and I think that there's this opportunity that is here before us and that we can really, that we can really do this, you know, that, that we can really, that we can really do this. And, um, and I want to encourage you to pray and to fast and to seek God, to, to just move like, like into this direction. I would encourage you as you're thinking about evangelism, as you're thinking about like all these different things, um, to not at all worry about how to be convincing, but worry about how to be moving. Uh, moving requires beauty. Movie re movie, being moving requires a lot more intelligence than being convincing does. Being moving requires a totally different presentation, a totally different way of thinking, a totally different set of arguments, a totally different method of whatever. Do you know? Moving. As Christians, I think we often are very um, committed to the things that don't necessarily get the job done. I recently was listening to, a, um, uh, to an interview actually on Rogan of a Christian that was you know, talking about all the different reasons for God. You may have heard it. Um, they was talking about all the, I, I won't name him because he's a really good guy and a really bright guy, really smart, really educated, really talented, really good, really good man, uh, humble, insightful, really good. Uh, and he's talking about all these different things. He's talking about them from just a very rational, logical, sort of scientific um, 
uh, uh, worldview perspective, right? And all the arguments and all the reasons and things like that. And Rogan's listening to it, and, um, and, and I'm like, wow, this guy is smarter than, more insightful than, more articulate than I could ever be in talking about these things. Like, there's no hope of a chance that I'm ever going to be, I'm, I don't have the time for it, I don't have the education for it, I don't have the language like, to, uh, to, to talk like this or to sound like this. Do you know? And then he finishes his presentation. It was a long interview, like three hours, three and a half hours. And I realized that Rogan's not been persuaded. He's not been moved at all. Like, it, 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 nor has probably anybody else that's been listening to it, frankly. Like, I am elated because here I am listening to a Christian like say these things on a, on a very public platform. And I'm, I'm encouraged that somebody that shares my faith is, is able to share these things with you know, millions of people that are part of his audience. But the reality of it, if we want to face the reality of it, is that very likely nobody's been persuaded by this. That's the reality of it. And I wonder if there's a lot of us that, that have decided to devote a lot of time to trying to be like that guy, convincing or potentially convincing, without realizing that being convincing is not at all going to solve the problem that we're trying to solve, which is how do we get this generation to turn <laughs> to Jesus? Being convincing will not do it for you. It just won't. There's something, you have to live so that people don't see a good argument. They see beauty in the way that you live, and art in the way that you live, and that higher standard higher standard. Um, there are some people that think that you should not be obsessive. I think you should be nothing other than obsessive. <laughs> I think being reasonable and lukewarm is not at all the right way to be. Like, I think you should absolutely obsess. Do you know? Like, if you're going to be a fitness instructor, I honestly think that you should lead classes that where people leave crying. Like, I never... I'm, <laughs> <laughs> why, why else do it? I mean, I think you should just, people should better leave like, I have never done, I've never experienced such, such, such a beautiful pattern, such a motivational uh, routine, such an articulate, I mean, the people like leave and cry and like, I know you don't take tips, but here's my phone, here's my car, you know, take, to take something, you know, here are my kids, and no, I'm just kidding, like, take something, take something, I mean, like, I mean, you know, like, if you're going to be a chef, like, be the type of chef where your customers are like, you know, I can't leave this restaurant until I tell you how much this meal has changed my life. I, I can't go. I, I already tipped 300%, but I, can't, I, I, I already bought all the wines on the wine list, but I, can't, I just can't bring myself to leave this restaurant until I tell you how much this meal has changed my life. I will never look at a radish the same way. Again, I, no, I'm, I'm serious. I'm, if you're an accountant, I mean, you better produce tax returns. Your clients look at you like no form 1065 has ever been produced. So, I mean, this, this, this tax return, it doesn't just save me money. I mean, I, I'm serious. You're like, that's not possible. This is, well, you better find a way because that's Jesus. Somehow Jesus talked in a way that moved people. Somehow he walked in a way that moved people. Somehow Solomon dressed his servants in a way that made the Queen of Sheba sit down and breathe. Hello? And so, if we're going to go and do these things, 
we need to live up to that standard because nothing less will change this generation until there's a group of people that learn how to move them through every single interaction in life. If you can't make a coffee that makes people cry, don't call yourself a barista. <laughs> or at least don't call yourself a Christian barista. <laughs> you, like, you know? No joke. No joke. If you're a lawyer, the jury better be crying when you're done with your closing argument. Like, I, I, I kid you not, there is a, this is possible. It's possible. It exists in the Bible. It exists in every time that a man interacted with God. It exists in the, um, in the people that drew close to God and that God moved and worked through their lives. And it has to be incumbent upon you and upon me. We cannot change a topic. We cannot lower the standard. We can't pretend that we are successful until we are able to live in this way. Come on. Those of you that are event planners for us, do you understand? Like those, those homework applicants, they better be crying when they get off the phone interviewing with you. They'd be like, that was the best interview I've ever had in my life. Nobody has penetrated my soul in this way ever, ever. Like it's just, that was God. That interview was God. I, I mean, I, it, it, like otherwise, get off the team. I'm just kidding. Like, like, <laughs> Push yourself, pray and fast until, until you become that. Pray and fast until you become that, until you become that. I will believe that our programs are successful when everybody on their way out is crying all the way home. Like that's how you know that you've, you've tapped into a place where, where you've brought somebody into an experience of God. It, the way to do it is to obsess about it. The way to do it is to obsess about it. The way to do it is to stop thinking about the small things in life, like how to save two cents on a gallon of gas. The way to do it is to obsess about these things until it comes to pass in your life. God will make a way for this to be true if we believe him for it and if we press into it, if we pray and fast and don't change the topic and don't give up and also make it a practice of us being moved by him day by day. I look forward, honestly, to the 5, 10, 20 years ahead when God will make these things real in this church. And then will make these things real in the people that are here, in the way that you do your jobs, in the way that you interact. If you will not change the topic, if you will not get distracted, if you will not fall off the wagon, if you'll stick with it, if you'll keep going down this road, this is the outcome of your life. It's not that you become the best debater, it's that your life becomes beautiful and moving to the people around you. I'll just tell one last thing and then I'm, I'm gonna close this thing up. I was once at a gas station rest stop in Connecticut and a group of nuns came into the, to the station and I think there were like three or four of them, never met them, I've never seen them before, haven't seen them since. And nuns, like, you know, nuns, like with the full, like the whole thing. And they were old, they were like, I don't know, 70 or 80, like, like pretty old. And I don't know anything about them. I don't know if they're Catholic. I don't, I'm like, I, don't, I don't know anything about them. And you know, generally, like Catholics are not quite, like, I don't know, it's just like a doctrinal, like whatever. But they walked with such a humility and they, they, they acted with such a humility. I can't begin to describe it. Like I, I cannot, I can't, honest, I can't describe it. You could tell. They, they have no worldly aspirations. They don't want anything of the world. They have not, there's just no desire for it. There's just, it's, that's all. Like, you know, not trying to look good. Don't care what you think about them. Like, there's no, but it's such a humility, such a humility. 
I stopped, I looked, I tried not to stare. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 they're like, these are old ladies. They're like, they're hunched over like, you know, like, I'm, and they were, I don't know, three, four, five, I can't remember how many. There was such a humility. No words were said. No, like, no conversation was had. Nothing was just, they just walked past me as I'm trying to get out of the bathroom, you know, to pick up a drink on my way out of the rest stop. And I remember it to this day. I mean, I just stopped and my heart just, I think I may have shed a couple of tears. A humility that is like different from, I don't know if I've ever seen humility like that before. You know? That's our job. Like that, that's our job. That, that is our job to live up to that, that type of, of God being real in our lives. I'll be honest with you. I don't care what their doctrine is. I don't care who their bishop is. I don't care what denomination they are part of. There was something of God in their life. And I, like, do you know, I don't need to know their statement of faith. I, there, was, there was something real of God that was in their life. And I may not agree with their doctrine, but I cannot deny that they are close to God, in, at, in, at least in that area in their lives. And I want to be just like that. I want, I want a humility that causes people to, you know, like, that actually probably is a prideful thought in and of itself, so probably shouldn't have it. <laughs> just can't, I can't. <sighs> All right. Oh, why don't you stand? Let's pray. I'm going to bring um, our team back up here so they can close out the service and we get going. Father, I am uh, so desperate for a for greater reality of you in our lives and our hearts. And God, I don't just mean miracles. I don't just mean power that we can control, gifts that we can use, testimonies that we can raise money off of or, or anything like that. I don't just mean those things that men can be impressed by. But God, I want to ask you for a greater reality of yourself in this church that makes our lives art, that makes our lives beautiful, that makes our lives moving to everyone that sees it. Father, if there is a kindness that brings people to say, I'm a sinner, God, I'm so sorry. If there is a kindness that does that, then I want it. I want to be able to act with that. I want to be able to live that out. I want that to be real in me. God, if there is a, 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 a generosity that brings people to repentance, if there is a mercy that brings people to repentance, if there is a goodness that brings people to repentance, if there are encouraging words that bring people to repentance, if there is a, a, a way of mentorship that brings people to repentance, if there is a way of writing an essay, you know, or solving a math problem, or submitting a, a piece of code that brings people to repentance, if there is a catering program that brings people to repentance, if there is a, 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 a church conference that can bring people to repentance, that can bring people back to you, that can bring people into an encounter and a confession of who you are, then God, make that real in this church 
and in our lives. We don't want to change the topic. We don't want to settle for anything less. We don't want to stop believing in what is possible. We don't want to just look at ourselves and say, boo us, here we are, this is it, there's nothing more. We want to press in for the more God. We want to not settle for something less. We want to press in for the more God. And Father, I pray that you would make it real in us day by day, week by week, year by year, as we go along, that you would empty us, God, of everything that separates us from that thing in you that is real, from that thing that, that, that compels us, compels our hearts, draws us, and we want, Lord, to offer that, that realness of you in our lives. We want to be filled with so much of the Holy Spirit. We want to be uh, obedient and yielded to so much of the Holy Spirit in us that that comes pouring out of us every day of our lives, everywhere we go, everybody we interact with, everyone we see, everyone that we work for, everyone that works for us, everyone that we are around, all of our neighbors, all of our friends, the doormen in our buildings, we pray, Lord, for a realness, a realness, a genuine, genuine faith, a genuine love, a genuine intimacy that makes us like you in that way. Thank you, Jesus, for making it possible for us. In your name we pray, amen.